Hey, welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist Podcast. Got the uh, Magic Trio here. I'm Paul Gillette, got uh, Jim Lincoln, and we got Christopher Palomares. Going to share knowledge with you tonight. Uh, so, uh. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's uh end of February and it was 80 degrees here today. So, <laughs> go figure. Absolutely. Oh. All the bushes have already bloomed. You know, all the shrubs in the front of the house are full color, so that's okay. It'll probably snow next week. Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to. It's supposed to snow on Friday. Yeah. Well, but you're hey, up where it's a, it it's a nice and warm sixty-three degrees February twenty-eighth in Champaign. As you know, that's a very rare. Thing. Yes, it is. Uh huh. It is. I know that I was. Yeah, I went to the Chicago the March meet a couple of years ago, and that which is end of end of March, beginning of April, and it was really nice in the sixties. And that was like people were saying, "Yeah, this ain't right." Yeah, the uh, the Mardi Gras parades had very good weather this year. We drew, we rode in a parade on Friday, and. Uh, I mean, it was upper 60s, low 70s, and our parade was still on the route uh, till just before midnight. And uh, just tens of thousands of people all along this thing. And I said, don't you people ever go home? Do you not have a home life? You nope. know, just they want those parties. beads. Want those beads. So it's first, yeah, first time I'd ever uh, ridden, in a, or ridden on a float in one of the Mardi Gras parades and the noise level is just incredible. It had to be 120, 125 decibels uh, there. People 10, 15 deep, jumping up and down, screaming, high-fiving. And you see a lot of little kids there, and I'm going, okay, if you want your young child, toddler even there, at least put hearing protection on because it is loud. It is loud. But Okay, one more thing off the bucket list. Uh, I had uh, put a posting on the Facebook page today about the subject tonight of talking about how to take advantage of the space you have. Because I struggled mm-hmm. with that myself when we first moved in here and I looked at this 13 by 14 room after having all those large model railroads in the past. I'm like, okay, how can I do this? And so I put in two main lines, a couple of sightings, and I went, all right. How am I going to do this? And then I was watching Ken Patterson's show, and I thought, boy, I wish I had the space to build modules and just bring them out in the yard, run the trains, do the photography, whatever, then tear it down, put it up. But it just I don't have that option here. So as I was watching uh, Joey Ricard's uh, video series uh, from TracksideScenery.com about building a small, I think his is 5 by 10 model railroad, and it just hit me. I thought, okay, we don't have a lot of space, but we can just detail the the heck out of it. So I, I've always enjoyed photographing and videoing trains, especially models. I just love creating that scene. So I put a couple YouTube videos up on Instagram and got replies and comments back from people that aren't even model railroaders. So I thought, well, shoot, I've got one six-foot section of railroad pretty heavily scenic, 
uh, it's not done, but I've got it pretty heavily scenic. Why don't I just shoot trains coming through this section? I'll put the train on continuous run, and then I'll just take different camera angles where I keep the camera very low, like you're standing on the ground. And then I do some uh, shots looking down with my video camera. I got out the, because I have a high-def video camera, and it got out the tripods and all this stuff, and put a couple on the MRH you know, discussion board, and then put them on YouTube. Well, put them on YouTube, then link them over. And started getting a lot of watches. And I thought, okay, this is something people respond to. Because the trains are weathered. I'm running them at, you know, realistic speeds. Edited if I need to, if if a shot's too wide, and the TV in the background gets into it, then I just edit it down. It's all widescreen. And so I was even, uh, I think maybe I've done a dozen now. I haven't posted them all, but it takes a while to go in and edit them, crop them down, do the fade, set up the, that type of stuff, watch the, uh, the audio on it. So I thought, all right, let's do, do an article on the Facebook page, kind of like I did changing out the headlights and the, the diesels uh, a year ago. So I've got where I'm shooting most of this, is a small farm. It's a two-story frame house, and there's a barn, a utility building, there's an outhouse, and that's all I used from the uh, the kit. It was all laser-cut wood. It's been stained and weathered and faded, and I thought, okay, I want this house to look like old people live in it, and they don't care if the, uh, the side's got, you know, collection of years of dust and dirt, and it's got dirt streaks on it. Same thing with the barns and stuff. So when I laid this out, and it's in a corner, and so behind it are, using super trees, tall trees, there's rock outcroppings, and it just progresses up, and I forced the perspective with smaller trees and rocks at the top. And so then I did a few sample shots, little pan, little zoom, and went, okay, this is coming out okay. Then I found a way to position my camera where I could shoot down the rock canyon leading up to it and edited that stuff, and I went, this isn't bad. Uh, so now I'm working on the, the farm buildings to really detail them up. So <laughs> I put in an order to an affair with train and went to the web store, and I bought... I don't know, about $120 worth of detail parts. Push brooms, regular brooms, rakes, pickaxes, shovels, old discarded refrigerators, oven, hot water heater, an old discarded couch with a cinder block and an auto wheel setting on it. And I bought these from just different companies. Most of them are white metal castings, and then you... You have to go in and paint them, and then after I paint them, I do a, an India ink and alcohol wash on them, which takes a lot of the shine off, gives more relief as the ink, you know, captures in the crevices and so forth. And then lastly, hit them with a little bit of uh, neutral colored weathering powder. And I don't seal coat them. I just let that, and it gives the clothes and stuff a realistic appearance. I uh, went to uh, better, than, better Than Scratch. BTS and bought some of his rocking chairs and they were laser cut, put them together, put people in them. Two guys shooting the breeze on the front porch. Uh, looks like mom's been uh, relegated to the back porch. 
and then I started adding like. Well, that's one thing. It's one thing about detail parts is the. It's like ah, it's only five dollars for this. Oh yeah, and then three hundred dollars later. <laughs> and that's true. And uh, I haven't got my LP tank yet because I'm going to have to have LP to feed the oven there. Got a push mower. So I leaned it up against the outhouse like the guy's cutting grass and all of a sudden nature called. So I do static grass and flocked a lot of it and then left areas clear for the house, the barn, the shed, the outhouse with a dirt path down to it. Uh, and I thought, okay, I need to do some big bundles of dead grass and stuff, weeds and stuff. So I went, went back, watched uh, Joey Ricard's video on how he makes uh, clump foliage. He has the advantage. He can do it in his workshop. So he can use this really aggressive 3M77 spray adhesive. I've used it, but I can't do it in this closed bedroom in the house. The fumes are terrible. So I found a way of working around that. I made some clumps. Then I made some rows. I realized I could have done this with the static grass applicator and just very judicious application of the cement. But so I made them. They didn't turn out bad. I think I, I need more. So I may just buy those from either Noak or whomever. I thought, all right, if I'm going to continue shooting video, I need this house out of the way. I need the barn out of the way. So I went, okay, so I need to make the house and the barns and the pickup truck all removable. And I don't care that there's a little flat brown spot there, but the weeds and stuff that are building up, you know, along the foundation of the house and the barn buildings and stuff that are inter intermingled with the, the scrap metal and all that stuff. That needs to be a part of the building. So I took some cardboard, very thin, like, well, I'll tell you what it was. It was the paper that Walters wraps her kit in that actually is the scene and you can remove it just like a thin box stock so I cut it down a little oversized for the for the pieces and then painted it uh, brown same color that I was using for my zip texturing so then yesterday I started playing around with okay how do I want this to blend so I started taking some of the clump foliage that I had made and placing it up against the wall, then positioning like the old water heater that had been put there years ago because they just didn't want to haul it off. And then I put some more clump foliage, different color, slightly different height in front of it. And I thought, okay, that looks good, but how is this going to blend when I pick this building up and set it in its position over there? when I'm not using the camera and I want the buildings in place. So I started gluing stuff to the edge to where it would overhang. And then it will lay down against the dirt on the railroad and stuff. So I'm not happy with what I've got so far, but it's got me off and running. So I've been trial fitting and then pull it away, put it up there. Okay, where do I need to add more? I've got brooms leaning up against the wall you know and I made the all this stuff really dirty because I remember my grandfather's the farmhouse you know even though they cleaned the inside I mean the porch was always just grubby 
<laughs> it just was. So that's the way I've made this house. And I've got a bought classic mini metals had a four-wheel drive pickup truck. So I got it, put it together, weathered it. I'm getting I'm gonna use oil to create some rust on the body and all that, but and I played around with staging it there. Bought a fence because I thought, okay, people would probably have a fence between the railroad track and there. So, like I say, it was Joey Ricard and Ken Patterson that gave me this idea. And so far, I mean, it, it's a lot of work. When you buy brooms, Jim, they come in eight packs. So you've got eight injection molded brooms on a sprue that you got to paint. And of course, you got to paint the bristles and you got to paint the handle and the binder at the top. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Let's get that. No, you have to paint. Them. <laughs> That's true. I don't. I'm an. I'm an O scale. Thank you very much. Well, those are a lot more easy to to detail. Yeah. That is for sure. A lot more paint, but at least you. Yeah. Can see. Yeah. I've got all the city buildings behind me, just in a rough position. But some of those, I'll see the backs. I'll use some of the trash cans, the brooms, the stuff over there. Uh, when I get around to that, but it's, I find it very, very relaxing. So, uh, I posted a new video on the, you know, weekly photo front thread today of uh, the, uh, uh edit. Yeah. It's a trial and error thing. Just like when I posted on the, uh, our Facebook page today, I put still photos in there, but I can't find them. So I'm going to have to go back and upload the photos of the type of stuff that I'm uh, talking about. But as I work my way through on the trains, even though, like I say, yeah, a small railroad, but if I'm shooting a movie of it, a video of it, I'm putting an 18 to 20 foot train behind it and then just fade in, fade out to capture the different cars and stuff. Passenger trains are not as much of a challenge, although the Cal Zephyr, uh, Got to be quite long because I've got all the cars for it, but I just enjoy that. And I can even, when my wife and I go up to the bedroom to just read or so forth, you know, after 10 o'clock or so, sometimes I'll just take the iPhone, plug in the headphones, and watch one of my movies. So people seem to enjoy it, the, uh, the photo run bys. And like I say, especially when you're shooting down low, like we would just be standing there. And the perspective makes it look like you're shooting from the back porch of the house. So once I get it done, I'll actually keep the house in some of the some of the videos. The big, the big question is, are you enjoying it? Well, yeah. Doesn't matter if anybody else likes it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's true, too. Oh. But... We why did you paint? Getting, why did you paint all the all the houses chartreuse with you know blue grass? Because yeah, cause it's I in like. New Orleans. Because that's what I like. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, Boise State has uh, blue grass at the football field, so so you can do a lot in a small space. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, if you want a five track, fifteen foot long uh, staging yard, that's your thing because you want to do switching, and that's that's. Golly, do it. There's a lot of detailing you can add into that. The next part of the project and is in that corner. I always crop it out, but where the trees fade out into unfinished uh, plaster cloth and stuff like that. This past week, I focused on getting the tunnel portals 
in painted, weathered, how they're going to mount, because it's, it's not another rock canyon per se as much as it, I don't know, about a seven foot long tunnel for one of the main lines. And by doing that, that allows me to increase the space above it, behind it, for conifer trees, rock outcroppings, that kind of stuff. And then when I shoot the other main line, it'll be running in front of the rock wall. So that's what I'm working on there to be able to add, a, add more camera angles and stuff when I do a video or so forth. Are you buying or making the conifer? Uh, yes. These all came from Grand Central Gems. Okay. I looked at, I've done wire trees before, you know, with, you know, with bottle brush type trees where you spin yep. the, the wire. And I've seen some very good ones. Mine weren't. I have seen some very good where you take the long pole and you use that green furnace filter that you shred and put on the pole and then put on the ground foam. Again, I've seen some beautiful uh, trees done like that. Mine weren't. So I went, okay, I'm doing okay with the super trees from, you know, Scenic Express. Those are coming out real well. The, uh, so I decided, well, Grand Central Gems, I like his, his stuff. So I bought uh, his trees. I bought small, a bunch of small, a bunch of medium, and a mixture of, a, of some larger ones. So I just built a perspective and, you know, kind of force it there. The rock molds came out of Vermont, uh, company up there. Now they make, I've looked at his trees. They're incredible, but they've got such a lead time on them. Apparently he makes them when you order them. Yeah. And, and I think it was a couple months and I went, okay, don't want, <laughs> I want to get more done. Maybe I'll use those in the city, but right now. So that's why I went to uh, super tree and grand central gyms. Uh, and then there was a run on grand central gyms. Uh, when I went to uh, reorder them, now, the dealers had them. They sold them out at Christmas. Even uh, Walther's was sold out on them. So kind of an indication you got a good product. Absolutely. <laughs> so, okay, so we've been talking about the perspective of just detailing the Dickens out of a small layout. You don't have a lot of track, but you can just detail it and bring in all the visual element. Chris, what are other considerations that uh, – can impact a small railroad space? Well, there's budget. I mean, okay. how much money do you want to throw at this thing? I mean, some people have a budget of not only money, but time, too. Okay. I'm kind of one of those in the time budget sort of things. And okay. then there's also effective use of space. That, that'd be another one. That Good point. Well, the other, the other thing is, is not only that is, oh, um, what was his name? <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, we had him on one of our first guests. What's his name? Uh, the movie actor. Michael Gross. Michael Gross. Michael Gross. His take on Jinx. it was, his take on it was, you know, I, there's only so much I want to take care of. It's not that he did not, doesn't have the space or anything like that. It's just, you know, what do I want to, you know, you may look at something and say, I don't want to take care of a big layout. Excellent point. You know, it's quite a big commitment. I mean, just the maintenance of it. You guys are talking about track cleaning. The maintenance yeah. of it is huge. Okay, so you've got monetary considerations, time, investment. And I guess, I mean, at the store, I would encourage people, look, tell me what you like to do. What do you want to do with your model railroad? So you have to know what you like. Do you like doing switching? Are you a rail fan? 
So, you know, all those can impact how you come up with a track plan. Chris, on the Fremo, how do you guys evolve a, a track plan there? Because you've got, does somebody come up with a general plan or how does that evolve? Well, it starts off with uh, who, who we can kind of entice to come to the meet. <laughs> what their modules look like. I mean, okay. if there, if a bunch of guys that like switching show up, guess what? It's going to be a switching layout. You know, if a bunch okay. of guys like mainline operation, there's not a spur to be had. It's going to be mainline operation. So okay. it's kind of ad hoc kind of who likes the venue and who has an available weekend. So, okay. Even in a, uh, a four by eight, they used to tell people, look, you can put a divider, a visual block down the center of this table and in essence have two separate railroads. And yeah. I showed them, you know, Kalmbach had books on how to do that. And I showed them in the back how we had used visual blocks back there to isolate sections. So that would be another consideration. Yeah. What do you want to do with this? What do you enjoy? Because uh, you can have two different worlds on either side of that uh, view block. Right. Yeah. Now, Chris, you would be, you would probably know this because you're fairly close to his booth. But have you ever taken a look at um, Jim Sacco's City Classics layout, his display layout? I have not. Um, I, you're what, like, where was he at? He was over in Springfield, right? Yeah, you're, he's, you're about 30 feet away. I can barely even get to the bathroom some of those days. Wow. He has he has a 3 by 8 layout. I made a N-scale version of it. But um, he has an N-scale layout that is uh, 3 by 8. It's a continuous loop with a, if you're familiar with the plan, a gum stump and horseshoe or snowshoe. Gum stump yeah, I heard of it. Yeah. Um, he, uh, if I can find the plan, I'll, I'll post the link. Um, but it is a complete switching layout inside a three by eight loop. So he has trains running continuously and there's, there's the behind the scenes and then there's the actual scene that you're looking at. So the trains obviously are going around like 16 inch radius curves so you're limited to 40 foot box cars and that type of thing and and four axle units but you can have the train running constantly meanwhile you're switching the inside because it's up on different levels um uh it's a interesting you know you're not tied into oh i have to do switching or i have to have a loop but you know that type of thing it's and i think the English, uh, British layouts are really good at this. Uh, the display layouts, they're really good at packing in a lot of things to do in a small space. Yeah, you know, the, the usage of offline imaginary storage kind of, kind of makes a, your options greater. So you, I, I think not a whole lot of layouts have been done in this manner um but but kind of cater towards the rail fan versus the guy being kind of like a theoretical engineer driving a train what about the 
just the simple act of enjoying being trackside, watching trains go by. There, there, there are different uh, elements to design for that, like the staging yard, coming up with a, maybe a different way to operate, even using computer control or something else. So that, that, that does affect the, the actual plan, too. Okay. I just posted a link in the, um, the chat. That's, this is the um, call, current um, www.carendt.com. Yes. That way the listeners can go look. Very, it's a very well known in the micro layout, um, micro layout circles. Okay. And in HO mm-hmm. or in? All scales, all scales, hmm. but it's micro, um, it's, it's a, a website. The gentleman died that, that ran the. That, that ran it, but I believe his wife is continuing it. Uh, but let's see if I can find the gym. Kind of just while you're, while you're looking for that link, Jim, I started really appreciating kind of how, how you were describing Ken's layout, you know, being able to take a component outside and, and, being able to run trains through it for video photography or whatever kind of catches your fancy. Yes. I started thinking about layout design and you know, what, what would capture my interest as far as like time I'd be able to devote to a, a layout that's, you know, set up all the time that I can just flip a switch and start running. Yeah. And for me, I, I, I have such investment into modules what I would like to do is to develop a layout that I could switch out a module and it's sort of like a, a magazine approach where the module is loaded into this layout like a magazine and then you, you put down your bridge rails or whatever else and then you're up and running through the scene with long trains. So everything else ancillary to the module is just there for functionality unless for scenery and would be hidden away. Uh, the presentation kind of more like a, a stage or w- what they call that, a shadow box, I believe. Okay. Where where everything behind the scenes is just sort of to do one function, and that's to support big, long trains through this, this scene. So uh, that, that's kind of along my interest. Uh, then, uh, then I'm not caught into doing a bunch of extra scenery and detail and trying to hide like helixes or anything else. It's just very simply, if I build a module, it, it'll fit into the magazine system. You know, okay, I want to do a different scene. Okay. okay. Pull that out, put in a different set of benchwork for the module and just build it and then have the, the ancillary track just support it with running long trains through it. Okay. Would it be continuous loop? Is that what you have in mind? Yeah, it, it, it just just for the necessity of handling like sixty car trains. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think uh, a continuous loop with like two different helixes going from from I'd say about sixty inches down to floor level. Really, that's a pretty big helix, and you can stage an entire sixty car train in one of those things. So okay. It, it would just quite simply be like, okay, the 60-car train goes over to the next helix, and it's staged there, and this other one comes down into the other one. And then, you know, you just have sort of a rail fan 
feel on the layout. And the the helixes are completely hidden away. It's behind a false wall, and just the the modules themselves are presented as a shadow box, so you don't see anything but just the modules. See, I like that because I'm. Uh, this is being set up as rail fan. That's just what I enjoy doing. So I understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So um, I just posted the the link. Um, the link. The specific link, if you scroll down on, from that page, if you'll scroll down, you'll see the City Classics. Um, mm -hmm. See the basis of the gum stump and snowshoe. And then if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll see the City Classics layout. Oh, okay. Is, so, it, you know, th this would be a good thing for me to look out for at, like, s some of the future yes, train That's shows that. and stuff. And then maybe I can just put together a... a a gallery that we could post either on Facebook or on the model railroad hobbyist podcast, like a thread on, on model railroad hobbyist or something like that. Just so, so everybody can kind of look at it and check it out. Yeah. I, I, I see the plan now and it's very straightforward. It's very straightforward. It's, you know, it, there's a lot of levels to it. So there's a lot of interest. I mean, it's heavy duty grades. So you're talking probably, you know, some sort of Atlas, switcher that weighs a ton mm -hmm. you know moving two or three coat you know two or three box cars around but um you know you have the outer loop you have the outer loop where the train can run continuously mm -hmm. and but all of the tight curves are where you cannot see them right you know so all the mainline curves look normal you know so everything's right. hidden have a, and it's you know sectioned off in two pieces, and then you have a little bit of yard in the front. Um, in end scale, it worked out really good because um, you know you just end scale. You put this plan, in, you know, on um, what did I do? I used a two by eight sheet of two inch foam, mm -hmm. and and built that as the base. And I used Cato Unitrack. The thing ran, and it was very cathartic to just let a train run around it. How cool! Yeah, you know, just every once in a while, hey, I want to, I want to run a train for a little while, <laughs> and yeah. then if you want to, you know, the other, the, the inside is totally separate. So right, you know, you you go and you do you switch around while your train runs in circles. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I think that's kind of, to me that that that's sort of along the the lines of how my interests are with the hobby. In, in the past, I've been more hardcore in operation. I wanted to be the yard master. I wanted to do these different positions. Now, coming up to, to nowadays, traveling a lot, working as I do, being involved with the hobby, you know, 40 hours a week plus um, in a professional level, I, I really like the idea of just being able to relax, have the layout run itself, just sort of being feel like I'm trackside watching signal aspects change, you yeah. know, and just kind of relive the the era that I remember rail fanning as like a teenager, you know. Well, with Jim Sacco's layout, the whole thing is automated. Yes, the train yes. running around in circles is automated. The 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 train in the inside doing the switching, nobody runs that. That's on a that's that's automatic. So, um, you know, you could have the, you know, you have the whole thing just running and, you know, 
and a couple where was i where was i watching it the the remote control cars was just you know you could have remote control cars running up and down the streets now right you know particularly the way and, I think- and that's the beauty of a small layout because you know it becomes feasible to kind of branch off into yeah. some of these you can you know, actually animated things right. to you kind of actually, add additional life to it. You know, you can afford to put some cars on the layout that are remote control because there's only eight feet of it. Right. And and to get eight feet of variety of cars is, is a lot more manageable than, say, like a hundred feet of road. Right. And trying to support that with automation. Yeah. I mean, that's a hobby in itself. <laughs> you yeah. know? So, yeah, yeah I, I see that, and, and and I love the idea of automation, and I, th- I think this is kind of where, okay, we come up with automation. What's the practical application for it? Mm-hmm. Well, the rail fan layout is a perfect application for it. You can have the 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 signal aspects change. You can have the trains, the mainline trains, run and you know do their thing. Well, yeah. let's roll on another level. I, and this is the, the the part of the layout that's that got me really excited was the rail fan scanner aspect. There's I have some old recordings of you know these SP trains on the coastline and the scanner chat and the dispatcher calling up and giving you know verbal authority. For, this is all DTC. So having that that aspect as an integral part of the layout, how the, the computer runs the, the layout could be a really fun because you could have like a, a scanner type thing going on and listen to the, the computer dispatcher talk to these virtual crews, giving them, you know, track authority and, you know, hearing the hot box detectors go off and all this stuff. It'll make you feel like you're <laughs> here back in the, the late eighties, early nineties, watching these things, you know, run just by, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, to me that, that, that's, that's where it's at. This is, that's what got my, uh, juices flowing again. Hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. I mean, I gave a little bit of thought to taking half of this railroad and making it a 10 car, staging yard would allow me to put together 10 trains and then just stage them up and then run them, pull them in, send another one out, pull it in, and then just have a highly detailed equivalent space, you know, be it six, eight, 10 feet, whatever. But then I got sidetracked and, well, if I got mountains, I need a city. So, yeah. But even the city part is mainly watching the the trains go by the city i just enjoy it i just enjoy it well you you know that that's the other thing too i think when you start talking to someone just getting into the hobby number one there's not a whole lot of of just extraneous space that they just don't know what to do with you know well, well let's put a layout in there i mean especially in the West coast, people don't have basements, you know? So it's got to occupy the main living area and the main living area just by, by nature of it is reserved for, for living. So it's got to be a compromise and how much available space is spent or reserved for a layout versus, you know, maybe putting something else there 
So that, that that's kind of along the lines of, you know, apartment dwellers, small homeowners, yeah. you know, what can you do in eight square feet? It doesn't mean that eight square feet is like, you know, very restrictive, but it may be just like a narrow shelf along the wall. Uh, yeah. And the other thing, once you get into that, if you're, you know, if, if the layout's going into the living area, then you have to step up your game with making it look like a piece of furniture. Right. It can't, you know, you know, you put something in the basement and now, okay, it can look like a rinky dink little layout. Well, it's in your living room and it kind of needs to look like something. That's right. It's a public area of the house. My my biggest my biggest my biggest suggestion for anybody you know with a really small area is really peruse this current dot com dot com. It's a small layout micro layout blog. That's a very so, cool find there, Jim. Yeah, uh, I've known about it for a long, long time, and they have you know the the big the easiest thing to do uh, is I mean there's this one. It's a Z. Well, no, it's an N scale actually. Uh, in fifty by fifty centimeters, so twenty five inches by twenty five inches. Hmm. It's basically a double pizza. Well, you know, it's a, it's a double pizza box. Uh, I mean, all it is is a loop. But um, let me um, let me. Uh, it's the December twenty sixteen. If you look at this, I mean, this is you know two by two, and it's very well detailed. I uh, see. No, no, it's N actually. Um, I mean, I'm gonna post the post the uh, link right there. The first one on that page, and you see they've done. I mean, it's a, obviously it's a European theme, but he's done a really nice job with the scenery on that. It's a nice big tree by that house. Yeah. Well, and see, we just touched on it. You know, Chris is. We talked about budget. We talked about space interest uh depending on your space you may have to make a decision of do i want to be in scale or ho i can sure do a lot more railroading at a given space mm -hmm. within scale right Be because that industry has really stepped up its game on detail motors the availability of now dcc and sound uh there's some very good in scale equipment out there yeah. So, oh, and you can tell when you look at this. The when you look at this little layout, yeah, it's you know it's Fleischmann track, and you can tell it's sectional track. But and they and they're the buildings are really basic. But this, I zoomed in on one of the pictures. It's beautiful. You did a really nice job with this little layout. I mean, you can get craftsman level kits in in scale now. I mean, yeah. it used to be people would go, oh, well, I got to do N scale. But now it's, no, I'm doing N scale. Cotto, Atherin, Fox Valley, all these people doing really good N scale stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, BLMA, before they sold out, Atlas was doing excellent level stuff. So, yeah, that's, I jokingly uh, told my wife, because after she retires, we will likely not stay here uh-huh uh this is just too expensive of a market and we didn't work hard all these years to build up this financial reserve to just pay for a, a house much bigger than we need so we've evaluated 
okay, where do we want to live? Uh, where we could pay cash for a home, do whatever. And you're coming yeah, back to Champagne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm going, well, it's got to have a train room. Because I know in the back of my mind, if we buy a smaller house, I mean, we're over 3,000 square feet now. What do two people need that for? But I'm going, you know, I could take a, a third small bedroom and do a lot of stuff in in scale. Yeah, sell the HO stuff and well, do in. So it's just, that's I, another consideration. I just looked at uh, page 119, June 2016. Guy has, a, admittedly, there, some people would say this, that's not a layout, but he's calling a layout. It's an HO scale narrow gauge layout in an iPhone box. A what? An iPhone box. An iPhone box. I will. I've got an iPhone box here. Okay. Yeah, I, I have one like I... sitting right next to me. This this thing is okay. That it. Like some people wouldn't call this a layout, but there you go. Okay, uh, that's all right. You're on page what? One nineteen. I just put in the link. Oh, okay. Karen.com. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Same thing. You scroll You're down. Right. That's a two-track transfer table with a Plymouth-type industrial switcher, and it can move three or four feet. Yeah, the train <laughs> moves back and forth. Yeah. You know, so you can actually move trains in it. Like, some people wouldn't call that a layout, but okay. Some people it's it's kind of like a mobile diorama. Yeah. I mean, that's small for a diorama. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to give... You have to give him credit. That's a really nice. He's 16 years old. Oh, it's it's nicely modeled. Okay, yeah, we're going to extremes there. But you know, you're ta- you're talking small layouts. So some people, I don't have. I don't even have eight feet to, to to build a layout. That's the great thing about this website is people. Yeah, but I don't have that much space. An iPhone box? You probably have one. You know, like you. Well, like you it push comes to shove it you it really depends on your view yeah you say well i don't have any room you probably do but it well, you have to change your expectations you you know also let, let's say change your expectations but your room may become temporarily available yeah yeah and he, he, when you start thinking about it too someone's home layout Maybe a floor layout still, or a glorified floor layout where they've, you know, mm-hmm. taken parts of foam and then you just kind of lay them down and interlock them together to come up with like a, a layout going through the through the house. Just because there's sure. no basement available, yep. and you know, hey, the kids and everybody else are out. I'm by myself. I want to run some trains. You know, you go in the garage, pull out the components, put it together, and then you have a running layout and. Yeah, it's a floor layout, but you're running trains. You're running well, long trains, you know. You you met my brother, right? I introduced I have, you. To- yes, yes, okay. yes. Um, that's what he does. I mean, he he is not a model railroader by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, he's into Lionel, and he just you know the the nieces and nephews come over and they set up the Lionel track on the floor and run trains for a few hours. Mm-hmm. 
because he just doesn't have the space. He was wanting to look around there because he wanted to find a way. He says, I, you know, I have a workshop, but my workshop needs to be available so that I can do work on the house. Yes. You know, so yes, I have, I don't have any place where I could just start building a model and say, I'm going to come back to it tomorrow. Right. And so, you know, some people don't like, and I said, well, what about an armoire or something like that? Where it's totally enclosed, it's a piece of furniture, but you open it up and then that's your workspace. And he said, that I might be able to do as long as it's, you know, closed up. Cause he was concerned about, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, um, airbrush something, but I don't have any, I don't have any place to let the thing sit and dry. Right. I don't have the space, you know, I just don't have it. And so, cause he has a small house, he has a basement, but he just doesn't have the space. It's yeah. all taken up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there, there's some really cool things, especially in end scale that I was kind of intrigued by, you know, the floor layout scenario. And Kato has done a, an amazing job with their Unitrack, doing bigger radius curves, they're doing concrete ties, they're doing super elevation, you know, all this stuff. They're even doing like viaducts and stuff like that out of the concrete, you know, for their uh, bullet train type stuff. But, you know, a lot of that can be just quite simply just acquired and say, okay, uh, you know, I'm just going to build a layout so I can run something. It doesn't have to be really fancy, just something that I can set up occasionally and run because there's no dedicated space for it, but opportunities do come. Oh, it's an excellent point. Yeah, the worst, I think, the saddest thing is not doing anything. Yeah. You got to get your feet wet. And if that's in a four by eight and you're going to build on it, now look at it this way. You're improving in your you're investing in your skills. You're gonna be able to do more, you know, because learning to paint, learning to put in DCC, learning to properly spread ballast and glue it down is irrespective of the space. It's yeah. a skill that you'll carry forward when you do have access to more space or you join a Fremo group or a club. You know, so take the plunge and get going. It's a great hobby. Yeah. You- you know, mm-hmm. even just doing an industry with a strip of track through there. Yes. And say the, the, the opportunity comes up where you can use that in a floor layout, you know, by cutting a couple pieces of Unitrack and putting them on the ends of this scene and then building a loop of track. And, hey, pretty soon you got trains running through that scene at the most rudimentary level you're running. And it's, <laughs> it's infinitely better than it's stuck in a box. You know? Right. Absolutely. So, you know, maybe this is kind of a a calling for me in, for the interim until I'm into that position where I'm building that magazine-style layout. Let's get some Unitrack and run some dang trains, <laughs> you know? Uh, yes, yes. Kato does an excellent job, and you're right. I think they've got – they designed them to go as – with their turnouts, but they have some HO scale, 71 inch radius sectional track. Yes. I thought, give me about 50 packages of this, you know, 71 inch radius. I mean, okay, 12, 15 foot room, that works. (laughs) 
A thousand dollars, but man, that radius will be really cool. That's right. You won't have derailment <laughs> problems with it. It'll be perfect every time. Yep. Yeah, yeah I, I really like that blog you told us about. The, yeah, the Jim, that was excellent. I've known about it for a while, but um, yeah, it's very interesting. It gives you a look, can give you a lot of good ideas for small spaces. Of course, I've had to go in and reprogram all the DCC. Changed the uh, momentum because it's just in a different space. Had to lower the sound because it was uh, way too loud. The good thing about ESU, you know, you can set F6 as a, as a fader and cut your sound by about half, and then it goes into a tunnel, you fade it away. And, mm -hmm. uh, but I found out, I thought I had most of my stuff weathered, and I started putting trains together to video them. I went, oh, crap, I haven't weathered any of the passenger equipment outside of the heavyweight stuff for secondary trains. So I head out one of my uh, Cal Zephyr resource books today, and I went, holy cow, they had dust on the bottom of their cars, and the trucks got dirty, and yeah. heaven knows the, the Westpac uh, diesels got grungy upon occasion. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, even Amtrak, they wash the trains just yeah. every couple of days. And, uh, you know, along the bottom gets a little dirty. Yeah. You know, and the trucks are always rusty. Yeah, so I've just systematically started, oh, clean cars, let's weather it. And so I'll take a break from that and do that. And then one of the Genesis units, it's a FP7, so it's an ABA. And I got it out of the box the other day, their boxes. I don't use the factory packaging. I buy shipping boxes that fit the locomotive, and it's just more space efficient and they're wrapped in bubble wrap, and I can get them in and out very quickly. Mm. And so I was just running it around the track, make sure everything's okay. And all the 1A unit is just constantly flashing its lights. You know, the error code that uh, tsunamis do when there's a problem. And I'm going, what the heck is this? Because the B unit and the other A worked fine. So I took it apart. You know, of course, the decoder's in there, the... LED lights up front, which means there's magnet wire everywhere and all this stuff. And I'm going, what is loose that is causing this thing to hesitate and get a either a short code or a surge? So I... Chris, what's up? Chris, what's up? You should know this. <laughs> About the air codes? Yeah. Absolutely. Just off the top of your head. Let's go. <laughs> what Let's does do all flashes mean? Uh, you know, what cracks me up, too, are the guys that actually sit there and count how many flashes, you know, just staring at this thing, blinking into their retinas, you know, just flash, flash. <laughs> Was that 11 or 13? Oh, I don't oh, know. Do it again. It again. <laughs> count the flashes three times for me and yeah. call me. Yeah. And you never see it when it starts. So you go, well, I got seven, but is it really 10? You know, cause I, how many did I miss before I noticed it and started counting? So I started tugging on truck wires and solder joints onto the Genesis border tight. And one of them's got a little movement on it. So, oh, crap. You know, take off the worm gear cover, drop the trucks. And most of the time, I pop the plastic clips off and solder the wires to the truck pickup. Didn't do it on this one. So I looked at all four of them, and all four of them have wires sticking out beyond the clip. And that wire, I'm sitting there playing with the truck, 
even though the frames are painted, which, you know, provides a, some level of insulation, apparently it's worn enough that we're shorting against the frame. Oh, wonderful. Yes. So I went, oh, crap. I am not taking all this apart. So I took my flat-bladed screwdriver, mashed them back away from the frame, and then painted them, and then put a couple coats of paint on the frame above where the wire could possibly touch in the future, let it dry, put everything back together, and ran it for 30, 40 minutes by itself. No hesitation, no flashing lights or anything. And I went, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Whatever it was, that was a problem. So I videoed it today. That F7 or FP7 you guys made in Genesis, uh, Chris, is just a golly, so beautiful. Uh, which road name did you get? Well, Cal Zephyr, I did uh, Westpac. Oh, okay. And love it. So, because I'd had PAs on there before and I, I sold them. And uh, I went, no, I'm going to do FP7s. I got them right when you guys, I don't know, years ago, 2010, 2011, when you first brought them out and then started collecting Cal Zephyr cars so I could have a train. Yep, it's just, I enjoy the heck out of it. And the, my wife, I showed her the house last night with the, the broom and the milk thing up against the back porch and grandmother sitting there. And she goes, how did you get a broom in there? I said, well, with long tweezers and a bit of, uh, yeah, tacky glue. Thread it past the, the rockers and the old lady and lean it up against the wall. So... I'll get the photos, whatever happened to them. I know I put them into the message, but they didn't upload to Facebook, so I'll put those in. I've got another couple videos to upload. I did did my first Steam uh, the other day. That They come out very well. They lumber very well. You know, just kind of lugging and chuffing through there. So, But... Getting ready to invest in a couple Tsunami 2s. Uh-oh. Then, yeah. I looked at three of them and I thought, okay, which locomotives are going to be the recipient? Because everything's got D- DCC sound in it, so it'll just be a transplant, one for the other. But the uh, video I put up about, and that, as I mentioned to you guys, was triggered by your comments one time of watching trains scream up to Hatchapi grade at barely moving and they're in notch eight just screaming. Yeah. So the video I did, they they have ESUs, so I just it's a new file with the uh, uh, full throttle option. So I just punch the uh, run eight button and set the throttle down to about two or three speed notches and got a lot of reaction because all the camp views picked up the screaming of the motor. Uh, so, I don't know. I do like the fact that you guys have that graphic equalizer that allows you to do so much. It not only has one, but it has two of them. Well, that's not true. It has a mixer, two different mixers, and a graphic EQ. Okay. So, I, I stand corrected. One of graphic EQ to do all the sounds mixed together in two separate mixers. There's a main mixer and an alt mixer. Okay. And, and uh, yeah. The, 
having that alternate mixer initially was kind of like, well, you know, you can half your volume. Yeah. And, and then, you know, but what I ended up using that alternate mixer more for, and it's been a lot more fun this way, was set it up for operation. Okay. And by doing this, what you do is you turn, by default, you turn off the dynamic break. Okay. And by doing that, you mute it in the mixer. and the main mixer, you just mute it. This is a, a, a Mike Conflone thing. So okay. uh, not taking any credit, but adapting it to the Tsunami 2 has been kind of interesting. Okay. Um, so, so what you do after that is you, uh, you take the alternate mixer and then you unmute the dynamic break. So what will happen is when you're, when you're in idle, you're going down a mountain or something like that, then you got to engage the dynamic break by turning on the alternate mixer. Okay. And from what I've been talking to a few of my hogger friends that, Hey, yeah, that, that's, that's how it works. That's what we have to do. When when we're in the locomotive is engaged to dynamic brakes when we're in idle. So. All right. It, it brings in an element of realism to, to the tsunami too, by doing it that way. Yeah. Right. You have to put it, you, right. You go to idle and then you switch it to dynamic and then right. you, you notch out the dynamic. So yeah, it, it drops and goes back up. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. So, so that, that's been kind of a fun thing to, to integrate into just how I set up, a, at least my personal tsunami twos. I have a GP40-2 that I've set up that way. And man, it's a lot of fun to operate, <laughs> you know, it kind of makes running it a little bit more like a video game, you know? Really? Okay. So you've got, what show are you going to? I'm heading to the Rocky Mountain Train Show this Friday. I don't I don't anticipate that this podcast will be released before then or the day of Friday. So I can actually say what I'm going to announce here <laughs> and not, not have to worry about spoiling it. So, <laughs> Okay, what's that? We're announcing the STP-40F and we're showing it in full paint. Ooh. Oh. And we're going to be doing this over at the Caboose Hobbies, the new Caboose Hobbies. Okay. And they just had their their grand opening this last weekend. This is uh, this would be uh, I what was that the twenty fourth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, February twenty fourth. They had their grand opening. A week later, we're going to be doing an in store uh, raffle. We're going to be raffling off a few locomotives, debuting the STP forty F. And then also uh, on the horn with George, I got George Bogatuck coming up, and we're going to kind of go over some Tsunami 2 tricks with the, the new locomotives that we're delivering. We just took a, a delivery of GP38-2s. Okay. So kind of showing off all these different things kind of plugged together and uh, supporting a Rocky Mountain train show that, that weekend, this last weekend, I guess it would be <laughs> when everybody hears this. So uh, this will be the first time that Athern has been at the Rocky Mountain Train Show. Well, that's exciting about the uh, STP-40F. Paul. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, you what? said you were, you were telling me before Chris got on that you had this new feature that this uh, the raw audio goes to Facebook immediately upon. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, it's called Facebook Live on your iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to be doing that actually over at the uh, on Friday too. I'm going to try to wrap in uh, a Facebook Live um, straight from Caboose Hobbies and then field out some of the questions with George, myself, and Craig Walker from Athern. Is there? So, how long has he been open? Uh, coming up, let's see here. Two days, three days. Okay. Oh wow. <laughs> he just opened up. Okay. Well, that's great. And I think it's really, it's, it's going to help him that you have chosen his location to introduce a long sought after locomotive. So oh, when yeah. does the, uh, if you've ever, if you've ever, and when you probably, you probably do, Chris, I know you don't post on it, but you, you probably pay attention to the diesel list. Uh, every now and again, when I can pull my head up for a second, I, I take a look at what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah, because they're always speculating. So oh, they're going to be doing the STP four. I wish they'd do an STP forty F. Oh, they'll <laughs> they'll never do that. There's only one road name. It doesn't make any sense. And rah, rah, rah. there's only fourteen of you that actually want it. You know, you know, you know how the diesel list goes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You, 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 there, there's a lot of people that. Um, like to kind of sit into the development side of things and think objectively what goes on in a manufacturer's mind in order to develop a locomotive project. Mm-hmm. So, and probably has nothing to do with it. It's like, oh wow, that I just happened to be next to this locomotive at this particular day, and it worked out this way. Yeah, it can't well, be simple as that, you know. <laughs> well, you you know, I, I mean, j- just to make everybody speculate even harder about this stuff, you know. We're doing the GP40P-2. There okay. were only three made for the Southern Pacific. No but, kidding. you know, there are a few paint schemes you can do on that that helps. But still, there are only three made for that particular model. So if if there's a way to do it, it really kind of, you know, if there's a way to kind of glom it on to another model that kind of helps with like some of the details and the you know uh, some of the other body components such as like the nose cab sub base fans you know stuff like that it it, it really offsets the the cost to do you know an entire locomotive but think about it chris i mean you can say we're making the we're we're offering all the road numbers ever ever produced (laughs) this locomotive have you know, at 150 team. locomotives for Amtrak, I mean that that's it'll it'll take a few runs to do it. <laughs> no, no, not that one. I'm talking about the GP40 P-2. Oh yeah, the GP40 P-2. Yeah, that's true. We could offer every locomotive. That's right. Collect all app- three. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. Wait, Collect all three. It says you're not understanding the marketing. It says you gotta you gotta market it as we're offering every road number ever produced. <laughs> you don't get them it. while you can. That's it. Get them while you can. That's right. So, what paint scheme for the, the SDP forty F SDP forty F? I don't know if I should give up all the info that you're. Okay, you got to so check in. I, I want to make sure one, that you're okay, there. So phase one's got to be a given, right? Phase one. Yeah, you know, okay. phase one's going to be in there. Well, they only I mean, did phase one and phase two, so it, it'd be it'd be kind of ridiculous to start off on phase three. It'd be like what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
I think they were all retired, weren't they, before Phase 3 came out? No, actually, they ran a little bit over in Florida. No kidding. At the very end, yep. All right. Um, and they got some phase three, believe it or not. They, they, I mean, it was it wasn't as common as like phase one or two, but a few of them made it into it. So, well, I'm sure I'm going to buy two phase ones so I can strip yep. the paint and use them as uh, power on my CSX corporate train. Oh, of course, you know that that that'd be mar- that'd be marvelous, you know, to see some SDPs in boxcar. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's either that or I'm going to repower the uh, E-units into uh, V16 645s like the UP did when they rebuilt yeah. them. Yeah, it mm-hmm. made it a GP38-2. Right. So, hard to tell, hard to tell. That's great. And then you've got this big, super secret surprise coming out in July. Oh, yeah. I just loved how everybody kind of gravitated to thinking automatically that the SVP <laughs> was going to be at Jim James Wright. Now there's significant question. Like, uh, yeah. Well, if it's not that, what is it? <laughs> that, that's, that's the, you know, the Montgomery Burns in the background going like, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I ought to start a rumor mill on the uh, forums with that one. Yeah, what, what's James Wright's house going to be all about? You know, yeah, so yeah. And the Chris next thing too is doing it live, or, uh, going going through the YouTube route will really be a fun <laughs> sort of visual adventure into uh, this new product that we're announcing at, at with him. So I think it's neat that you're getting out and commingling with the common people, Chris. I really do. Co-mingling with the car. I am a common person. What are you talking about? You're a, you're a corporate giant. You're the marketing oh, guru. You, you know, James Wright always cracks me up. He 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 thought that the when when he was kind of like a fledgling reviewer, kind of getting his name out there, that all the manufacturers from all railroad were just like sipping cognac, you know, smoking cigars and stuff in there. <laughs> 23-story building, you know, at the top level. <laughs> yeah, these trains, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, everybody in, in the company is uh, a lot more uh, down-to-earth and accessible, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I keep myself accessible. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, Lincoln does, too. We're all accessible. Uh-huh, yeah. It's like, yeah, let's... Yeah, you bring yourself down to uh, mingle with the unwashed masses, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was at ACF, one of the advertising guys, because we had in-house agency, had just come in from New York and in St. Charles, Missouri in the uh, early 70s, bowling night was big. You would oh, even yeah. get directors and VPs go to company bowling night. And I was teasing, this guy's name was Jim. And I was teasing, I said, I saw you out there bowling. And he just looked as serious as he could be. And went, it's how I maintain my middle class ties. <laughs> it just cracked me up. I just, <laughs> it's how I maintain my middle class ties. And then, uh, he, uh, then he had a big grin, but I thought it was a cool line. Well, you know, nowadays it's just people say, we're, we're keeping it real. Keep it real. <laughs> uh, I've heard that. Never understood that that was the implication. Yeah. 
Welcome, welcome to like uh, general uh, or Generation X speak. Okay. Wow. Of course, you know, they're, I can't imagine the world my grandchildren are growing up into. You know, even the four-year-olds know their way around a computer, iPad, whatever. They know how to, to access this. Uh, both of my daughters have had to put security locks so that the kids can't go buy stuff. Yeah, and they're four years old, and they know the keystrokes and the passwords. And I went, you know, I was playing with dirty sticks at four years old and pretending they were a gun. You know, and I was riding with Roy Rogers, so it's a big different world. Different world. So Yeah, my great you know, greatest greatest thing I had was what, three two by fours. <laughs> three two by fours that you nailed together to be a uh, fifty caliber machine gun, you know? Oh wow. Yeah. Exciting. Very good. Yeah. Very good. How about you, Chris? I bypassed all that. I was trying to save up the my old popsicle stick so I could cut them into lumber loads. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, I started off super young, kind of liking trains. So, I mean, whatever I would find like a a, a spring from a, like a lighter or something like that. Yeah, yeah. The lighter would be empty. I'd take the spring out, then I'd put it underneath like one of my boss cars to serve like the cushioning apparatus in there and stuff. Wow. I swear I was like twelve Very years good. old. You know. <laughs> Very good. I like that. So, yeah, it, 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 I I just kind of always gravitated towards like, well, what can I find? Oh, here's some toothpicks. Well, maybe I could figure out if some fence posts with them, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that was you were fortunate. My dad, I spent where I played uh, little league baseball, was right on the edge of the big C and O yard in Huntington, and we had a. A siding went right by the field, too, to take care of the bakery. And, you know, we'd put pennies on the track. And, or if we walked on the other side of 7th Avenue and peeked through the fence so we could watch the train. Because steam, through 55, 56, so I was just in, like, first or second grade, there was still steam there. And I'd see steam. I'd see the plumes. And I'd run to where I could see through the fence, see the locomotive. Or if we were going to my grandfather's and see the steam coming down the track uh, along U.S. Route 60. I said, Dad, slow down. I want to see this train. Oh, it's just a dirty old steam locomotive, son. We got things to do. You know, he just wasn't in the trains. So, so sad. Yes. Yeah. I, I miss so much that way. It probably explains a lot of my behavior anomalies. But <laughs> anyway. And Chris and I have talked about that frequently. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you know. Paul, Paul's behavioral anomalies anomalies yes anomalies yes so i've got hey how would you guys suggest in fact normally what chris does is when i try to bring up the whole boxcar thing yeah he switches the conversation to your <laughs> personality anomalies <laughs> it was funny thing paul was doing i know what you're doing chris yes i know but that doesn't matter it's just far more interesting <laughs> you you know what jim over yes. at Springfield, uh -huh. there was this guy selling T-shirts. Yeah. And I thought of you when I bought this shirt. Oh, boy. It was this beautiful brown shirt with a big old Pullman Standard logo, smack dab right in the middle of the chest of it. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so getting that shirt. So the next time you see me at Springfield, look for that Pullman Standard shirt, awesome. and you'll know it's about the boxcar. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, at least at least you're thinking about it. Right. So, there's hope. Oh, Jim. I'm there's thinking hope. about it, but I'm thinking about it in HO scale. You already done it in HO scale. Um, see, that's what see Paul. That's this is the rumor that we need to start is the actual <laughs> announcement. The actual announcement. Uh, yeah. After is coming out with an O scale boxcar. They're actually doing it. That's that, you know, just totally put people on the wrong track. That's right. right. Dropping in scale, converting to O. That's right. That could work. That could work. Yes. That totally screw people up, Chris. <laughs> it, people you know, be, I, I, I think at like, the top Wait. of the announcement, there's going to be N and O. Yes, and after that, it'll say scale. <laughs> yes. Okay, serious question. Serious question. S yeah, serious question. All right, so when that's I... Not, that's not a question. ...modified tenders of two of my steam locomotives, I drilled the coal pile, you know, holes like the... To let the sound out. Yeah, and so I've got a, a bag of highball products six inch or greater lump coal here that I'm going to top off the top of the uh, tenders with. My thought was to just take my finger and smear something like acrylic uh, caulk over it, thin layer, make sure the holes remain free, and then just spread coal over top of it. Or one of the tacky glues. I've also heard guys go, oh, I use uh, ballast cement solution. What do you think? You know, I think I've seen someone take like a piece of foam rubber okay, and carve a piece of foam rubber into a shape of the coal load you want and simply hit it with like some of that 3M sticky stuff yeah, and then dip it into the coal and that'll hide the pores. And then you can, you know, still have sound travel through it. I think that's what you're trying to achieve yeah. with that, right? Yeah, that's the, the sound pathways coming up through the coal load. Yeah, okay, so it's coming up through a coal load. So... Yeah, I mean, you might want to just try give it a shot. I mean, foam rubber is pretty easily found in like our boxes and things, and just cut it up with some scissors and try to fit it in there and pat down a little bit of coal with some 3M sticky stuff. I mean, that might work out. That might look sufficient and sound thing, good so, enough. Okay, so Paul, um, yeah, right now you have the coal, the coal load is there. You've drilled holes in it. You want to put coal over it to kind of. Cover it up, right? Well, to hide the holes, and plus, you know, injection-molded coal and tenders doesn't really look like coal. The other thing you could do if you if you can get it, um, you could just uh, put uh, transfer tape okay. over it, and you, you, you know, work the transfer tape in over the load, and then just pour the coal on it. I mean, you know, punch out the holes, punch out the holes for the, the sound to travel through, but, uh, and then, because that stuff is really sticky. Yeah, okay. that'd work, too. Yeah, and, you're and, talking like two-sided tape. No, it's specific. It's called transfer tape. What transfer it is? Transfer tape. It's essentially tape. It, it's two-sided tape, but it's basically the sticky part of tape. Okay, that's all it is. So uh, it doesn't have a real, carrier film. No, that's all it is. Yes, yeah, so there, there's a carrier, but you peel off the carrier, oh. and, then, and what's okay. left is essentially the glue from the tape. So it's tape, but all it is is glue. So it works really good for it because there's no thickness to it. Okay. It's the thickness of the adhesive. 
So <clears throat> it's really good for um, doing like uh, what is it? You know, like on roofs when you when you try to glue down the um, the tar paper roofs. Either tar paper roofs. Or I was thinking of shingles. No, not shingles. Um, the aluminum. Uh, the, the corrugated. Shingles, corrugated. Yeah. Yeah. Metal roof, roofing. Which is kind of a pain in the butt to get the stick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Trans- transfer tape works great. Uh, well, Chris, you guys use what he's talking about to uh, manage the wires in the cab. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it's just easier to stick down some wires in, in there and keep them above a grill opening yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I've seen it with the carrier on it, and then you peel it off and you go, oh, there's all the sticky goop in the wires. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll play with a uh, high-side gondola colloid before I mess with the uh, the tenders. Okay. But, I like uh, like the foam idea. I even thought about getting some very, very small screen mesh at the hardware store and cutting it up. Okay, but I like... All right. See, that's why I asked you guys. Two great ideas. And the nice thing, if you you know, you try the transfer tape, transfer tape's great for, like, lots of stuff. Okay. But it's not cheap. Where do you buy it? Uh, As I recall, I got it from mine from Foscale Models. Uh, Oh, I would... um, I mean, it's 3M. It's 3M transfer tape. So I would just Google 3M transfer tape and... Probably okay. on Amazon somewhere. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're onto it. Go on my Amazon app. Good old my... Amazon to the rescue. Amazon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And with here, I've got to buy, I've got to get rid of Stray Cat. They're digging up my mulch beds. The lady next door, bless her heart, feeds Stray Cat. And the next stop is my backyard and my planting beds as their litter box. Oh, how how sweet of them. Well, no, she's, she's 80 years old, nice lady, and heart's in the right place. And because I asked her husband, I said, you do know that typically feral cats have the potential for carrying a lot of nasty disease bacteria that can impact humans and other animals. Well, but she just likes to feed them. She has, and so I just said, okay, I knew I wouldn't. You weren't going to get anywhere. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's... Not a, I'm not going to hurt a cat, so I'm just going to keep him out of my yard some way. Right. The Yeah, it's it's 3M 465 adhesive transfer tape. I think that's the stuff. Okay. I will look it up and get some. Yeah. That's it... great. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, it's great stuff, but it, it doesn't – it takes a while – to set and when i say that you know you'll stick it and you're like oh, i can move it around and oh, it'll move and then like three days later it ain't moving <laughs> <laughs> i remember uh, it being very aggressive yes oh yeah i mean not not right away it eventually is extremely aggressive but it doesn't do it right away <laughs> it's very, i mean it's very tacky and it will stick but if you ever like two or three days later you decide oh i want to move this yeah nope, nope. Nope, nope. I like that metal siding. Maybe a little. Oh, nope. I guess it's good <laughs> where it is. It's really good where it is now. Yeah. Well, it's like one of the tacky adhesives I 
use when I do uh, static grass. And once, so I just bought throwaway brushes because you can't wash it out. It always remains sticky, which is why it's so good for static grass and other scenery applications. And do not get it on your hands because everything you touch for the next two days is going to stick to your hands. Hmm. Kind of remember like- the remember the scene in Christmas Vacation where Clark's talking to his wife in bed and he's got tree sap all over his hands. Oh yeah, he's ripping the magazine. He touches her hair and he strings her hair. It's one of those scenarios. Yeah, like the um, made with real tree sap. <laughs> yeah. um, the what the heck is the stuff um, when you when you work on tractor? Um, what is it? Um, it's never sees. Yeah, dear lord. Oh yeah, never stall. No, never never sees. It's for it's like you put it on threads so that they don't rust. So you oh. do, you know, when you're working on automobiles, you get it at an auto parts store. As you, as you, okay. put, you put this, I don't know what it is, but do not get it on your hands because you will get it everywhere. Yeah. Every, it's just because it, it doesn't really, it comes off, but it doesn't come off. If that makes any sense, you just spread it everywhere. Somebody tell the first guy, he says, okay, when you put this, make sure you don't get it on your hands. Okay. Holy yeah. Mama. well no it's not because it doesn't hurt it's not going to hurt you it's just you will get it everywhere every just anything you touch anything you look at you'll get it on well you do have to be careful because some of these things it's like acetone and uh xylene and some of them i mean i always wear gloves when i'm yeah airbrushing and stuff because that stuff gets in and it can be absorbed through the skin if you don't get it off quickly. And uh, you can damage your liver. There's different organs that are susceptible to some of those chemicals. I, I had a um, uh, one of the jobs I had way back when. Um, I was an epoxy technician and um, made, you know, it was industrial epoxy molding. Uh, and um, the chemicals, the gloves they gave me, the chemicals would go through the gloves. Wow. Dang. Uh, and so eventually it's like, well, it's getting through the gloves anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to wear the gloves because I can't feel anything when I wear the gloves. Well, when I was there, um, my hands were yellow. Really? Yeah, the skin. My skin was yellow for a long, long time. Um like down my hand, not not my entire hand, but like my fingers down through my hand and, and everything. Yeah, eventually I stopped wearing the gloves because they should have given me a different style of gloves, but the gloves they gave me were not adequate. And then eventually I'm one of the few people that I can honestly say I'm allergic to work. Oh, yeah. Eventually what happened, I remember one day, my you know, my, uh, um, what was it? Uh, my chin, not, but, below my chin itched so my neck my neck was it well, my neck was really itchy and i looked in the little mirror in the uh machine shop there yes. i looked in the little mirror and i looked i'm like wow it looks a little red and the guy was running it was a guy that ran the mold machine which is a big automatic milling machine yes i said do i look a little red to you and he's looking down at the machine and he looked up to me he looked up at me he turned stark white and he said go home go home right now I'll tell him that you went home. You need to go home. 
now. Wow. And I broke out with hives head to foot. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's great. Great. Yeah, for five days I had hives. So, wow, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows what sort of horrible things that has done to me in the, you know, but I haven't died yet. So that's a good thing. Okay. Well, hey, do either one of you guys have uh, CMX uh, track cleaning cars? Don't. N- nope, I do not. Does anybody at the uh, Fremo group uh, have them, Chris? Uh, we just use the 050 switcher and some elbow grease. Okay. It does great track With cleaning. a bright boy? Yep. Okay, because I, yeah. I got one of these for Christmas, and I'm just putting mm-hmm. rub, uh isopropyl in it and adjust it for a drip and run it around every couple of days because it's you know with the dog and the dog's always in here with me it's just pet dander and all this yeah. stuff uh the track it's amazing how much crap ends up on that so but i like it because now especially with this long tunnel i'm not going to be reaching in there so, oh, yeah, that that looks awkward, you know, kind of sticking your arm, like, right on top of the rails, right into the track. Yeah. And don't, make sure you're not sweating or anything when you do that and you have the DCC on that. Yeah, shock you. <laughs> you might find something a little shocking in there. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to make part of the the hillside as it goes up over this tunnel a lift-out section because Murphy's Law says that yes. halfway in this seven-foot section, there will be a derailment. Yes, they were. Oh, of course. So I'll and, do it as but, a lift but, out. But the derailment will only occur <laughs> when there's other people there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. When there are no people there, you, the trains will run smooth as clockwork. You'll have, you'll have derailments on other like, sections of the railroad, but not in the tunnel. That's right. Until, until there's at least three people there watching. Yeah. And of course, they're like really checking out your tunnel, and then it just totally blows it yeah. right inside. Anyway. Wow, stupid place to put a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Did no, you ever it's... think about fixing your track before you put in the tunnel? You know that you get questions like that. It's like, oh yeah, and and never and thought then, of that before. <laughs> and then you're sitting there thinking, no, but I did seriously consider never inviting you again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did consider doing all that taking up all the flex track and uh, replacing it with nine-inch re-railing sections from Atlas, you know, just oh, one yeah. after another, so the whole thing's a re-railer. <laughs> uh, that would be actually be a pretty good April Fool's joke, is just, like, do an article on how to yeah. make, like, a continuous re-railer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I saw <laughs> Cutting somebody... out the different sections and putting them together and making this big, long re-railer. I saw a YouTube video where a guy was doing corner removable sections in the corners for doorways on his modular railroad and he, on either side of it he had re-railers on both tracks he had a double track main line so he had re-railers on both sides that was the first piece of track and <laughs> I thought you know that makes sense that makes sense so I mean they're pretty foolproof considering yeah I had uh you can't hear it when it's just running, but when you're standing there watching the monitor screen for the camera, 
all of a sudden you can hear clack 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 a truck a truck's riding the the ties. You know, why didn't you do this five feet ago before I turned the camera on? Oh well. Life in the big city. It's a tough life, isn't it? Yes, first, it is. First world problems. <laughs> all right, so all right, what else? What's all the paper noise? Uh, I'm shaking up my water. You're shaking up your water? Yeah, I put in uh, BCAAs in my uh, water. Yeah? So I'm shaking up the water. Okay. Does that sound good? No more shaking. I stopped shaking. Okay. Okay. And Chris, you know, what you've got to do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't. Can't. You, I want to see some uh, email photos of these STP-40Fs this weekend when you're at uh, Caboose. Well, you're going to probably see more than that. Ken Patterson already took some photos of them. So well, I don't look want to for wait the for a magazine to come out. I want you to <laughs> take a couple quick iPhone photos and email them. I want okay. to see what this is. I'm excited, right. buddy. I'm excited. All right. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be happy to... Yeah, to tempt you with that and make you salivate a little bit. We'll we'll put some up on our. Facebook. I was gonna say, put it on the uh, Facebook podcast page. Of course, yeah. We'll 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 put something up and then I can share it on over. All right. What were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I well, you, you know, I was gonna say one of the one of the major questions that we field over at the Athern booth whenever we're set up at some of these trade train shows is. There's a, so much interest in this little layout that Ken built that folds in the middle. It's four foot by six foot. And when it's folded, it's four foot by three foot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tiny little layout that can fit in most people's uh, closets underneath a bed. I mean, th this thing is really practical as far as like a modern sort of family layout. Okay. You know. Yeah. So we we get tons of questions on about the layout, like, wow, how big is this? You know, who, what's the track plan? Where can I find it? The track plan is uh, is an old Atlas one. <laughs> no kidding, it, it, it's 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 the very first one. It's simple. It's simplicity at Great Plains on one of the track planning layouts, and it's a very functional little layout. I mean, there's two sidings, some switching. I mean, we ran with DCC two trains in opposite directions, met at every siding, you know, and it, it, it was a hoot. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So, I mean, it, I think that there's a tremendous opportunity for small layouts and even more so in, in the modern sort of in the modern family and the modern sort of home and the, even the apartment dweller, too. Cool. Excellent. I like that. Even um, small, you know, you can go do small layouts even in um, O scale. Uh, yeah. Professor Kleisler did a four by one um, O scale layout. A back and mm -hmm. forth. Yes, it's a it's a what's essentially an Engelman. Not a reverse. Uh, well, it has a um, sector plate. 
Yeah. But um, let me post it. Hochi Mama. <laughs> it's quite the link, but. Good grief. Yeah. What did you do, Jim? <laughs> and this link is a novel. Well, actually, it, there was an article in it in MRH. Oh, how about that? Yeah, yeah. MRH, $500 contest winner. Oh, yeah, yeah. A starter layout you can build for under 500 bucks. So, Won't you in paste Oscale. this on the Facebook page? Yeah, um, definitely. But I want to do O-Scale. Okay, you can. <laughs> I need an airplane hangar. No, I don't. No, you don't. I mean, yes, if you want to, you know, if you want to model the SP mainline through, you know, Arizona or the Penzi middle division, yes, you probably need an airplane hangar. The 60 car trains in no scale. Yeah, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of real estate. Yeah, it's just, an outdoor layout. Just a touch. Yeah. Just a touch. Was it be really good if I had the? Let's see. Oh, okay. This was the MRH 2013, September 2013. There you go. Now, now we can dig it up. Yeah. 2013. September 2013. Let me make a note. Here you go. Bing. Paste. There you go. There's a little bit more manageable link. Oh, okay. All right, good. I can come back and look at this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I can go over to Facebook, and then I can go to Model Railroad. Oh, yes. And let's see. Publish. You know, Paul, I have some pictures of what a few friends dubbed the Garage Kitchen and Western Railroad. <laughs> really? And when I was living in Western. It, and it, it was named that way for an actual reason. Um, when I was living at my grandma's house, uh, she was moving over to a, a, a retirement home. And I was still looking after her house, and I decided, you know, the floor plan is really conducive for doing sort of like a temporary ad hoc layout based yeah. on a bunch of modules and just some temporary ones that I just cut out of plywood and, you know, kind of clamped together. And it started off in the, in the garage, of course. And it, it, it was a big yard in the garage. It did a horseshoe towards the garage door. Yeah. Loop back around into the kitchen. The kitchen made it up to the garage and had a door right there. So we just, clamped in a temporary section going through the door. Yeah. And it went into the kitchen across a fireplace in the dining room. <laughs> and it did another horseshoe and snaked around into like the family room, headed for the front of the house by a window, did another horseshoe, kind of not a full 180 degrees. It was, a, it was more of a broad horseshoe. And then, came out into a switching district, and then there was a, a tail track to run around your train. Wow. This, this layout was so much fun to operate. 
<laughs> we had it up for weeks and it was just a hoot to, you know, no one knew where each other was at. You I know, bet. You, you, one guy would be in the family room, you know, making up a train. Another guy's in the garage. Another guy's trying to do, coordinate a meet over the fireplace. <laughs> so I, I do have photos of this layout. I think it might be kind of fun to, to share them with, uh, with our listeners, too. I think they would appreciate it. I want to see them. Yeah, yeah. I'll put I'll put that onto the the MRH page. Okay, dope. The podcast page. All right. Yeah. Another thing is, if uh, people are interested, um, a long-standing um, theme, shall we say, of model the um, model rail radio podcast mm-hmm. is the thought of micro layouts and moving away from the basement filler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that really basement fillers don't necessarily do the hobby a lot of favors. <laughs> um, and it's great. They're great if you can do it. But, you know, yeah. for many, many years, you know, Model Railroader in particular uh, pushed the idea of, you know, go big or go home. Okay. And some, some people just can't, you know, for a lot of the reasons we've already discussed. So – you know, if you even want more discussion about micro layouts, there's so many episodes with talking about micro layouts with the Mario Radio Hop podcast too. So um, that's another thing if you want to, you know, nice thing to listen to in addition to our podcast. Yeah. After you listen, after you listen to ours, <laughs> something else to listen to. Yeah. No, there's. It's all about enjoying the hobby. So if that's a yeah. uh, a good series, then yeah, people should go listen to it if they're. They haven't already. From uh, from episode one is available online. So, okay. um, and there's over a hundred. There's a hundred and some odd episodes. So, so plenty of content if you need your mono railroad chat fix after you listen to us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah someone's working on their workbench. They're hunched over a boxcar right at a critical ladder <laughs> installation. Yeah. Yeah. We we need to finish up the the project, so let, let's move over to the next podcast. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a nice long drive, driving across the country. Yeah, radio. perfect. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, uh, right. anything gets, else? It's a lot of people that on that podcast. He has a lot of uh, contributors from Australia. Um, actually, Professor Kleisler is on that fairly regularly. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, England, he he changes the time around so that people can call in from England and the United States and Canada and, and Australia. He's had callers from oh, um, Hong Kong, I think. One from Turkey, maybe. Um, so you know, Italian um, caller every on occasion when he has the right time. So you know, really get the broad spectrum of, of modeling all over the world. So it's, it's, it's another neat resource. Well, thank hey. you for that, Jim. You're welcome. Hey, guys, I enjoyed it. This turned out well. It was a good suggestion, uh, Chris. It was. Yeah, no problem. All right. I'm, one, I'm looking Saturday. I'm going to be looking for an email with photos, STP40F. Oh yeah, that that's going to have a little exclamation mark right next to it for you. Yeah, and put them right <laughs> you won't be able to uh, miss it. <laughs> Jim so scale Pullman standard box car. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, is isn't that what you you don't you, you have the prototype and that's what you use to clean the track with, right? The, with yeah. the roof. 
It's actually right. a track cleaning car. <laughs> it's a track cleaning car, you know. Yes. You, you turn it upside down and you and you can clean <laughs> tracks at once with the roof. <laughs> that red roof works out really good for getting the grit off it. That's right. It's because he, he was like, you know, Jim, I tried to get him to do it. I got a prototype made. And the only thing I can do with it is clean track. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. And I won't publish this till after the weekend. All right. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Bye. All right. Yeah. Take care. Bye.